Hello, this is Jim Wallace, and you're listening to a special edition of The Soul of a Nation, a podcast about how our faith should shape our politics and not the other way around. I am delighted to replay one of my favorite episodes of The Soul of a Nation, featuring Bishop Michael Curry talking about God making a way for healing and love from the painful divisions of the coronavirus and white supremacy in our country. This is especially timely now, again, given how both white supremacy and COVID-19 continue to plague the nation. So my brother, uh, Bishop Michael Curry, and dear brother, we're in a moment that um, on the one hand, the issues at stake are not new. As you and I know, they go back yeah. a long time. But yeah. there is a moment of crisis here that we have to acknowledge. We uh, MLK Day is a big day for both of us, usually. We're preaching sermons or doing mm-hmm. things in churches. And, and, of course, that Monday is a service day. But for a long time, we've just said, kind of taken for granted. We all agree with Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his vision for America of a beloved community and a multiracial democracy. So Mm -hmm. on this day, let's show our service in the community. We're in a whole different place now. What's at stake is in fact, his vision of a beloved community and a multiracial democracy. A violent Mm -hmm. insurrection has taken place at the Capitol already and ones are now planned, the FBI mm-hmm. tells us, for all our 50 capitals and again at the nation's capital. And everything that he believed in and fought for and lived and died for is literally at stake right now. And white supremacist violence is on the rise and on the attack. In the middle of that, what do we do on MLK Sunday, MLK Day, to in fact uh, root ourselves in that vision of our our leader, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Now you are right, my brother, and um, you know I'm I'm mindful of uh, Dr. King's words. Uh, well, his last book was was simply titled "Where Do We Go From Here: Chaos or Community," and and uh, he often said um, that we will either learn to live together as brothers and sisters or perish together as fools. The choice is ours, chaos or community. He started saying that kind of thing between 65 and 67 or so. I think he published the book in 67. Um, as the Vietnam War was escalating, as there were protests in the streets, um, as many of our cities uh, burned um, and riots of, of the poor crying out to be heard, um, the nation was in, in disarray, not quite like this, but in disarray. And that's when he asked the question, where do we go from here, chaos or community? I think his wisdom on that point um, was that in moments of crisis, those are also moments of decision. When we as a nation and we as a people have to decide where are we going to go from here, chaos or beloved community? Are we committed to becoming the beloved community, which would really be a shining city on a hill? Um, Or we are 
are we content to descend into the chaos, um, the abyss of hatred, animosity, and bigotry? And we have a choice to make. I believe that we will choose and that most of us want to become that beloved community. I, I just believe that about most of us. But we've got to make a commitment to do it. It's kind of like a revival where you got to say yes first, and then you act on that yes. And I think we must say yes to beloved community, that that's who we want to be, and then go to work to make it happen. Indeed. And I, I think we're facing this choice of chaos or community right now mm -hmm. in the next yes. days ahead leading up yes. to this inauguration. When I hear mm -hmm. FBI agents this morning literally saying, well, there's been infiltration of this movement of white supremacists into our law enforcement. We gonna The snipers will have to watch not just the crowd, mm -hmm. but the cops. This is yep. a, whole, a whole moment here. And uh, he also was very clear, as we both know, saying that the peace, um, uh, peace requires justice. And Pope Paul mm -hmm. said it so well before, if you want peace, you've got to work for justice. So a lot of mm -hmm. us are calling on churches all over the country, congregations, a Christian, Jewish, Islamic, to, to call for peace with justice on that 17th of January, the Sunday before MLK Day and the Sunday before the inauguration week. Peace with justice uh, is crucial now. And in fact, uh, the choices that we have to make, as you so rightly say, are, are risky choices. They're courageous choices. We need faith leaders to stand up and speak up. Maybe a thundercloud of social media, as my young sons would talk about <laughs> that, to, to make clear what we are committing ourselves to. And what's being challenged is indeed the thing he, he lived and died for, which is a multiracial democracy in this country, which we've never really had. And that's what's now at stake here. And so this is, you and I know this isn't a political choice, a partisan choice. This is a yeah. this is a matter of faith that we are yeah. all made in the image of God, or we are yeah. not. But we love yeah. all our neighbors, uh, with no exceptions, or we do do not. This is a choice between, as you and I would say, reclaiming Jesus again yeah. for those of us who are of the Christian faith. God was clear. Jesus was clear. Mm -hmm. Are we going to be clear? We're not in this crisis with violence on every side. Yep. Jim, I, I tell you, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, the um, I mean, I'm mindful of, you know, you, on the great seal of the United States is the, the eagle with above the words, e pluribus unum, from many one. Um, and those words um, come from the writing of the writings of Cicero from the Roman Republic. And Cicero said, when each person loves the other as much as himself, it makes one out of many possible. Um, the, the, the way of selfishness, my tribe, my group, uh, my political party, my religion, my whatever, that will not serve us now. We have got to, we have got to live together as we, as Archbishop Tutu in the um, South African tradition speaks of Ubuntu. Um, I am because we are, um, that we must live for we, for the common good, for the public good. The words public good are actually in the Constitution. That comes from the ancient, the writings of the ancient Romans, where people think beyond self 
and think for the good um, of the common wheel, of the commonwealth, the common good. Um, and I, I tell you, that's a commitment. That is, that's not, that's not a political commitment. That is a moral and spiritual commitment that has practical consequences for our polity and how we live together. Um, so you are absolutely right. And the truth is that's the heart of the American experiment. In spite of the fact we have not lived up to it, that is the, the motto of this country, e pluribus unum, from many one. Not one religion, not one political party, not, not one this or that, one people living together in justice and truth. I mean, we say that in the Pledge of Allegiance. That's what we say. Right. And King said, uh, I remember in, uh, when he said, peace is not simply the absence of conflict, but mm -hmm. the existence of justice for all people. And right now we're worried about conflict. Deeply, yeah. practically, uh, we had lives lost in the U.S. Capitol. We had people in injured. We had more being planned that was somehow uh, prevented by some courageous uh, people who stood up for their people. That's what it will take, standing up for each other. When the lawyer you know, came to Jesus and, and uh, says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus mm. pointed to the Good Samaritan. And the point of that lesson was the Good Samaritan helped someone who is different than him. That's who your neighbor is, someone who's different. Jesus made that very clear. Our neighbor yeah. is the one who's different than us, yeah. the other in all of our scriptures. And so this is, are we going to, particularly who are, who are followers of Jesus, will we stand up to, together to love our neighbor as ourselves, as you just so rightly said, mm -hmm. but in particular, mm -hmm. the other, uh, yeah. the, the, the immigrant, the, those from different tribes and races and revelation, that wonderful, the way it all ends in the Bible is all of us standing uh, before mm. the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And it says all of our different languages and diversities yeah. and tribes and there's no, we all come together in the worship of the Lord. And that's yeah. how there's a biblical story of uh, first God said, let's make them in our image, <laughs> our yeah. likeness. And it ends with all of us, all of our tribes and traditions and, and races and creeds standing and worshiping God together. That's how it ends. Well, right now we're in the middle of this for our country and unity is crucial, but without the truth telling Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The opposite yeah. of that is if we don't know the truth and we're captive to big lies like that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris did not win this election, that big lie, which was promoted by Donald Trump and the highest people in this country has led to this violence. Lies lead to violence. So how do we commit again to the truth that will make us free? The opposite is bondage. If we're not free because of truth, the untruth, the undermining of the truth, the big lies lead to bondage. So there's these lies that many good people are now believing because that's all they hear. How do mm. we bring the truth back? How do we help people understand what the truth is? Uh, not just about an election, but all of us who are committed to be brothers and sisters and neighbors yeah. together. That's the core of everything we're taught in all of our traditions. How do we bring the truth back against the lies? How do we love our neighbors as ourselves, particularly those who are different than we are? Yes.
You know, Jim, I, I think you're right on. In the last few days, I've really been thinking, said, you know, I mean, there's that, that passage in the Hebrew scriptures in, um, in Chronicles. Um, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. That word humility, um, um, boy, that, that's, that's a powerful word. And Jesus of Nazareth was very clear um, that it is the humble who will be exalted. Um, and, uh, and all of our traditions represent and speak about humility. I wonder, this is a moment when we in the United States um, must be humble enough to learn from the experience of others. What, what can South Africa teach us about how you mm-hmm. work through this in constructive ways? Um, there is something there in truth and reconciliation. What, what must we do? What might we do to face truths, painful and difficult truths, as best we can? We may not agree, but at least to name and face them and to d- set in place the things that are necessary to create a just society, that a really just society, and that will move us toward eventual reconciliation. What, what can South Africa teach us? What can New Zealand teach us? Um, which which has had to learn um, to, to live as a multiracial um, society um, and has actually done things in their constitution, in their organization, in their life together um, to affirm Maori and, and English uh, folk having to live together. I mean, they've done some, there are people in the world, places in the world that have done this. There have been truth and reconciliation commissions in a number of countries. My point is not to just do what others have done, but maybe we can be humble as Americans, as a country. I think we've been humbled, whether we like it or not, to be humble enough to ask others to help us. Well, as you, you mentioned, know? Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Desmond Tutu has been a mentor for both of us and a yeah. dear mentor and friend. And, and he and Nelson Mandela together did this truth yeah. and reconciliation. You can't have one without right. the other. And they made that very clear. And I've heard cries now up, rising up around the country for a truth and reconciliation here in this nation. The truth telling has to be told before reconciliation can happen. There's no cheap grace, to quote Bonhoeffer. There's no cheap reconciliation, no cheap unity. It has to be truth and reconciliation. And the humility is so important. I, I, I was thinking of Micah as you were talking, mm-hmm. that lovely phrase, uh, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your yes. God? Uh, we yes. often talk about the justice, justice, and I will keep talking about that to the day I die. Mm-hmm. But then to love kindness and love kindness toward those who are different than we are. And to yes. walk humbly. We don't have, none of us have all the answers. How do you put together justice and kindness and, yes. and humility. I don't see much of that in Capitol Hill, in our politics, in our nation's warring tribes. How do we do that? And how do we put truth together with reconciliation? And right now, lives are at stake for yeah. this. And our democracy is literally at stake in this moment. Who will guide the way? Who will this, this new multiracial democracy? I think the faith community must be the place yeah. becomes a compass to help guide this isn't gonna we we gotta get through an inauguration without more death to even right. say that is remarkable 
But beyond that, this is a this is beyond that week of inauguration. This is in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. How does the faith community guide us and and shape this new multiracial democracy as people of faith? Yeah, I I, I think we've got to have a national. Um, we've got to resolve. We hereby resolve that we are going to do the hard work of becoming the kind of beloved community that Dr. King talked about. We, we've got to make that decision. And, 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 you know, and it's got to come from the highest levels as well as those of us who are on the street. And it, it, I, I was reading in, in, in the gospel, John chapter five in John's gospel, where Jesus comes to the guy who's been paralyzed for 37 years and um, he's laying by the side of the pool, the healing waters, um, Beth, Beth Satha. Um, and, um, you know, the guy's laying there and he's waiting for somebody to put him in the water. And Jesus comes up and instead of saying, let me put you in the water, he asks him, do you want to be made well? Until we make the decision that we want to be made well, we will not be. But if we make that decision, then we can go to work. You see, I never thought we had to make that decision. Yes, yes, I did. (laughs) But I never thought it would be so crystal clear as it is in this moment. And the decision to commit ourselves as a faith community to a multiracial democracy means underneath that uh, to become the beloved community. King called for a multiracial democracy, but underneath that, he says we are and must become a beloved community. So we are and must become a beloved community is what we as the faith community have to say together across all our boundaries of theology mm-hmm. and politics and tradition. This is what we can say together, that we must become uh, uh, that one, e pluribus unum, and we would say that one body of Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. it, e- even the Christians are divided in such a painful, painful kind of way. So how do we come together in this moment of conflict and imminent danger? How do we take this moment of danger and conflict to recommit ourselves to a multiracial democracy underneath lies, this king vision of a beloved community? And that's what what I think this moment calls us to do, to provide leadership. I, I pray for our uh, for security, I pray for uh, keeping people safe uh, in these terrible days ahead. But finally, we have to go deeper than politics. Don't go left, don't go right, go deeper than politics to the beloved community that King called us to that undergirds any notion of a multiracial democracy in this country. And that is really a matter for faith and faith communities. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think we've got to, I think on the one hand, there's, I think we in the faith community have got to call for a national conversation. And, and that's going to require political leaders, religious leaders, um, economic, I mean, that's going to require, that's going to require a national, dis- I mean, ultimately, those who lead us in government are going to have to um, claim this high calling and say, this is work we have to do because the democracy is at stake. And, and engaging that work is, involves facing painful truths. Engaging that work also 
involves what are some of the pathways, what are some of the things that we have to learn to do as a nation in order to make this e pluribus unum possible. We can't do it on autopilot, that's clear. And so, so what do we have to do? What do we have to do in terms of um, education and formation of children, young people and adults in terms of the values that we do share as a nation? Because we do have some common values. What do we have to do to actually um, nurture relationships across difference? Um, 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 uh, and, and, and I mean that very practically. I mean, what do we have to do to create the context where people who differ with each other are actually in relationship with each other? Um, you know, what does the religious community have to do across religious differences? Um, what does the political community have to do across political differences? I mean, to actually ask, those are, sound like religious questions, but yet the truth of the matter is until we create the context for human and humane relationships where we see each other as fellow children of God, as brothers and sisters, we will be stuck in this mire of my tribe against yours, a will to power. This year, MLK Day, as these words are being heard by listeners around the country, comes in the midst of genuine threats uh, to human life uh, in state capitals across the country, in the capital of the United States, with an inauguration just days ahead. And so everything that Dr. King talked about is under threat this week. And this time must become a moment in our history where we, beginning with the faith community, we say, yes, we are all the children of God. Yes, we are all neighbors as different as we are from each other. We are neighbors whom God has called us to love one another as we love ourselves. And yes, that means in this nation for the first time, we're going to create a multiracial democracy where all of God's children are equal citizens and treated so. And we as the faith community see that as a vocation, our vocation to make mm -hmm. that happen in this country across all of our boundaries. We can make that decision in this moment of conflict and chaos. We can make a decision for that beloved community and that means for us, we must say, it means a multiracial democracy in this country, something that King lived and died for, and we have to live and die for as well. You know what, Jim? Amen to that. Amen. And you know what? We must believe. We must hope. We must have faith and actually live it. Because if you don't have faith, then you won't believe it. And if you don't believe it, you won't do it. And so this is a time when we must claim hope and faith in spite of what we see. In the 19th century, it was James Russell Lowell who said at one of the darkest times in American history in the 19th century, he wrote in one of his poems, truth may forever be on the scaffold, wrong may forever be on the throne, Yet the scaffold it sways the future, and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. I believe that. And because I believe that, 
our work for righteousness and justice and for love will not be in vain. When you invoke hope, it reminds me, brother, of that wonderful Hebrews text that says, now faith is the substance of mm-hmm. things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yes. And in a whole hopeless time like this, the danger is hopelessness, the despair, yes. the fear. That's the danger, the cynicism. So my best paraphrase of that Hebrews text is so relevant right now. I would say that hope means believing in spite of the evidence and then watching the evidence change. Amen. Thank you, brother, for joining us today. Thank you, brother. Thank you. To hear more from Bishop Curry, follow him on Twitter at PB underscore Curry. PB, that means presiding bishop, underscore Curry. For more Soul of a Nation updates, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and follow me on Twitter if you'd like at Jim Wallace. Blessings to all of you for the Soul of a Nation.